Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you this morning, Lord, that we can declare to you that our heart is yours. If you want our hearts, God, you have it. Take it, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we can declare this morning that you are worthy. We can declare this morning, Lord, that you are sovereign. We can declare, Father, that everything that we are and everything that we ever hope to be, we give to you. Father, thank you for the time with us this morning. Lord, as I speak, Lord, on your behalf, as I represent you, Lord, on this forum this morning, Lord, you speak through me. Let the words be your words, God. Let the emotion that even comes across be your emotion for you to convey to your people that which you desire for them to hear. And so, Father, I thank you this morning. I give you thanks for everything that you will say through me, God, everything that you will accomplish this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I think Tashina of a vendetta this morning. She come to wreck us. Tashina, you came out this morning, all guns um, shooting. I mean, this is worse than a cowboy show. <laughs> she come with a vendetta this morning. Oh God, thank you this morning. Thank you, Tashina. And thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you so much. The combination this morning is mind-blowing, man. I have never felt on my face since I'm on Zoom. This morning, I couldn't keep up. I had to fall on my face before my God to declare to him. And it's not because I wanted to, because my body says you must yield to him this morning. And so thank you both Ruth and Tashina and for those who have been praying for the service that we are having this morning. The topic of my message this morning is the surrendered will. It is actually a part one of the message. I don't know when you get the part two, but this is the part one. The text as Ruth read from this morning is Matthew 26 verses 36 to 46. And I won't be reading again since she read it earlier, but I'll give you an overview as I walk through this passage. The question that I want you to mull over and to think about this morning is, if God did an audit of your life this morning, will the audit reveal a life totally surrendered to him? Will the audit reveal a life distracted by self? Will the audit reveal a life surrendered to work, to things, or to someone? I'm going to ask the question again. If God did an audit of your life this morning, will the audit reveal a life totally surrendered to him, distracted by self, surrendered to work, surrender to things or to someone? That's a question I want you to contemplate, to think about as we go through the message this morning. A life surrendered to God is not measured by how long you have been saved, but by the desires, the thoughts, passion, emotions, dreams, and possession you yield to God and the quality of time 
and the quantity of time you spend yield, yielding them to him. A life surrendered to God is never measured by how long you have been saved. So for some of us, we have been saved from our children. God is not, a, so does that, that does not show that you are surrendered. A life surrendered is measured by the desires, the thoughts, the passion, the emotions, dreams, and possession that you yield to God and the quality and quantity of time you spend yielding them to him. In our text this morning that was read by Sister Ruth, it was the Passover season when Jesus would be handed over to be crucified. But more importantly, it was the time that Jesus would willingly surrender his life to fulfill the pre-arranged plan, some would say the predetermined plan and will of God, the Father. And we see that in John 10, verse 18, Acts 2, 23. According to the text that was reading this morning, Jesus and his disciples, except Judas, were walking from the place they ate the Passover meal towards the Mount of Olives, a place called Gethsemane, which means oil press. It was a place where Jesus would be experiencing intense pressing before his death on the cross. He told eight of his disciples, he said, sit and wait while I pray. And then he took with him Peter, James, and John a little bit further, where he poured out his heart to the Father. He became sorrowful, the text told us, and it troubled because his soul was crushed. And I heard Sister Ruth reinforced by reading it again. His soul was crushed with grief to the point of death. Imagine, he was at that place of breaking, what we call the breaking point. He who knew no sin would become sin for the people of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Jesus knew what he would physically and spiritually endure at the cross. And that is why he was so crushed. The weight of sin that he would carry for you and I, for those gone before us, for those who are yet to be born, he took all of that on the cross. Stay here, he said to Peter, James, and John, and keep watch with me. But although they loved Jesus, they could not stay up with him. It was a journey for him to do alone with the Father. There are moments when you are going to be going through stuff and as close as you, your family members are or as your spouse is or as your, your friends are, they cannot carry the weight with you. It is a weight that you have to walk. It's a journey that you have to walk alone to fulfill the predetermined purpose and plan of God for your life. The text says, going on a little further, he bowed with his face to the ground and he prayed. In the Jewish tradition, the, the typical posture of a Jew praying is to stand with their eyes open and they would rock to and fro. But notice the difference in Jesus' posture. It was different. His posture communicated relationship. His posture communicated a sense of urgency 
humility and surrender. Jesus had emptied himself of his divinity to surrender to the human experience. And as a result, he was tempted and tested every single day as you and I are. However, he was about to face the worst experience any human could have experienced while his disciples slept. Do you think it would have been easier if every time he goes back to check, they were awake praying? But every time he went back to them, the three times they were asleep. According to Luke 22, 24, Jesus prayed the same prayer earnestly and in anguish to the Father three different times until his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That is intense pressure. None of us have been pressured to the point where our sweats become drops of blood. At this moment of testing, the weight of the sin of man weighed heavily on Jesus. He was undergoing such pressure that he was at the point of breaking and he was wrestling with his will. And he cried out, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. And dep depending on the translation, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There are four parts to Jesus' prayer. And I want you to walk with me through this, the four parts. There's the salutation, there's the condition, there is the requirement request or petition and then there is the surrender the salutation is jesus christ my father this was specifically addressing his father and no other father he wasn't crying out to peter's father to james father to john's father he was crying out to his father the cry revealed the relational bond between the father and the son and no other father could give him the answer, the relief, the comfort or deliverance he needed at that moment. There are times that in our moments of stress and struggle and trial and affliction that no other person can give us the, the, the answer that we need. And so Jesus went directly to the only one who was able. And he said, my father. Although he had his closest friends with him, they could not help him. They themselves would soon desert him, fleeing for their lives when he was arrested. I have learned that although I have close friends and family members who will stand with me in prayer, they are not equipped to respond to my deepest cry. And so I must go to my father. Because he alone can give the answer that I need. In your deepest moment, in your moment of anguish, no one can give you the answer that you need but the Father. Let us look at the condition. Jesus said, if it is possible, 
In essence, Jesus was seeking God's permission for another way for mankind to be redeemed. He's saying, Father, if it is possible, find another way to redeem mankind than for me to endure this pain and suffering. Is there another way, Father? If there is another way, Father, take the other way. Jesus knew that all things are possible with God according to Matthew 19, 26. And that nothing is too difficult for him to do according to Jeremiah 32, 27. But Jesus also knew that God would only do what is to be done according to his will. 1 John 5, 14, verse 15. So God, in the midst of hearing the cry of his son, know that he cannot deliver his son from what he must endure because it is all part and parcel of his will, the predetermined sovereign will of God. There are things that you are going through, went through, or are going to go through that in the midst of your cry, and no matter how long you cry, God cannot change the course of nature. He will not change the course because you cried. Because you and I must walk sometimes through the shadows. Through the, through, as David says, I walk through the shadow of death. The request. Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Jesus' desire was just as heartfelt and genuine as your, your heartfelt prayer when you are going through hard times and you're saying, God, where are you? God, I don't want to go through this no more. God, deliver me. God, change my situation. Like any human, Jesus expressed the natural human desire to avoid the cup of suffering which is the wrath and judgment of God, Matthew 20, 22. And he wanted to avoid it at all cost. But only if there was no other way, only if there was another way possible for God to do it. The next part of Jesus' prayer is the surrender. He says, yet not what I want, but what you want. In other words, Jesus is saying, Father, although I want to avoid this suffering at all costs, I will obey you. I will voluntarily surrender my preference, my desire, my will, and my request, if that is not what you want to do. Jesus saw his desire as secondary to the best and highest intention of his father's will being done. Have your prayers been secondary to God's will being done? Or have you made your prayer, offered your prayer in a way that you're saying, God, my prayer is primary to your will being done. Is your prayer being answered secondary or primary to God's will being done? Sometimes when you and I pray, we say, Father, let your will be done. Truthfully, our request is, Father, let my will be done according to my schedule. Let's be honest. 
we pray instructing God what to do, when to do, how to do. Sometimes we are more concerned about receiving our preference than God's will being fulfilled. Our happiness is hinged on God rubber stamping and vetoing our request according to our schedule. And even when we pray, let your will be done, we are still hoping that God answers according to our desire and according to our preference and according to our schedule. Unlike us, Jesus addressed his father saying, only if you desire what I ask, do I want this request answered. Only father, if this prayer will accomplish your will, do I want what I have petitioned. Only, Father, if what I desire and ask will make your promise fulfill or your plan fulfill, do I want what I ask for? Have you ever prayed that way? Have you ever said, Father, I am presenting my petition to you, but I only want you to fulfill my need as only as long as it meets with your will? Or do you say, Father, this is what I want. This is when I need it. Surrendering to his father's will was more important to Jesus than having his prayers answered and having his preference and comfort. The truth is most of our prayers are geared towards our comfort, geared towards something being met according to our need, even if it is for a friend or a family member. What is most important to you? Your prayer answered or God's will be done? What is more important? Truthfully, what is more important to you? Is it God's will be done or God answering your prayer according to your desire and according to your schedule? If Jesus had failed to surrender at this point, he would have failed the assignment at the cross. Many times you and I fail the most important test because we fail the mini tests along the way. Many times you and I fail the major test because we fail the minor test with an S along the way. Jesus had surrendered his will to the sovereign plan of God because he loved him. There is no surrender without love. There is no yielding and submission without love. And even though in marriages you'll hear them say, the woman is to submit to her husband. The truth is, if she does not love him, it is harder to yield and to submit to him. The word surrendered is a battle term, which means to cease resisting and fighting by yielding to the power and authority of another to preserve life. And you see it in the battlefield where two, two armies are fighting and you see one coming out saying, waving that white flag, we are done fighting on this side. We are yielding to you. We are submitting to you so that our lives can be preserved. The word will expresses desire, preference, determination and a totality of one's heart and devotion and choosing this will to obey or disobey. 
Surrendering our wills to God is the, is the determination to obey and ultimately yield our desires and to subject our thoughts or ideas and action to be influenced by God's will, power, and authority to preserve life. And this life is eternal life. Why is it necessary to surrender my will to God? Why is it necessary to surrender your will to God? Why do you think God is asking us to surrender our wills to him? When you and I surrender our wills to God, it demonstrates complete faith in him. It demonstrates love for him and it demonstrates belief in his promises. You and I won't surrender to someone we do not trust. You and I will not surrender to someone we do not love. You and I will not surrender to someone that we do not believe in. But when we surrender to God, we have declared that God, we trust you. God, we believe in your promises. God, we love you. So how does one surrender his or her will to God? Surrendering one's will to God is not a one-time process. However, it first begins by accepting God's invitation to become his child. From our text, it is obvious that Jesus surrendered his will to the Father because he loved him. It is therefore understood that it takes love for God to surrender our wills to him. Do you love God enough to surrender? And it goes back to the original question or the first question I asked you when I just came on. If God does an audit, will he find you surrendered to him? Will your desires be found when he, when he does the audit and he does the cash book and, the, and, and, and he looks at the assets and he looks at the liabilities? Will your desires, thoughts, passion, emotion, dreams and possession be on the asset side? Or will it be on the liability side? Will your balance sheet show up that you are on the side of God? Or will it show that you're on the side of self? In John 14, 23 to 24, Jesus replied to Judas, If anyone loves me, they will obey me. Then my father will love them and we will come to them and live with them. But anyone who doesn't love me won't obey me. Notice what Jesus says. You cannot say you love me and not obey me. If you disobey me, it means you do not love me. If you do not surrender your will to me, it means that you do not love me. Jesus loved the father. And he knew that he was loved by the father. He knew that whatever the decision the father made or did concerning in his, his life was for his good. Do you believe that every decision, every plan of God, it concerns your life is for your own good? 
Can you genuinely say, I will surrender to any test of God, any part, anything, any plan of God, because I know that he loves me and everything that he desires of me is for my good. Jesus demonstrated his love for his father by obeying his father's will. How have you been demonstrating your love for the father? Is it to obey his will at any cost? John 14, 15 from the message version says, if you love me, show it by doing what I have told you. Jesus surrendered his will to the sovereign plan, control, decree and governance of God with the desire to please him. On Monday or Tuesday of this week, someone called me. And the question I was asked, what has God been saying to you about your marriage and, and, and then being divorced? And I can understand because it causes one to, to question, God, if you told her to marry, how did you allow it to end up in divorce? Did she hear you? And in, in responding to, her, to the question, 1 Peter 3.17 came to my mind. And 1 Peter 3.17, Peter says, it is better to suffer for doing good if it is God's will than to suffer for doing evil. At the time, my then husband and I sensed the Lord's instruction to marry. We both surrendered our wills to obey and be led by the Holy Spirit. However, five years later, the marriage was dissolved because one of us filed for divorce. Was it God's will for us to divorce or was it the will of one? We both have suffered in one form or the other because of the divorce. One for obeying, one for disobeying. And that is why Peter says, it is better to suffer for doing good even if it is God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. In essence, what Peter is saying, you and I are going to suffer when we, at times when we do the will of God. You and I are going to suffer the way Jesus suffered, even when we are doing the will of God. It takes love for God to surrender our wills to him. Because you and I, as I said before, may go through times of suffering. Even when you say yes to what God has called you to say, to do. Even when nothing inside of you wants to do it and you say yes. Even then, Come the disappointments of life. Father, I thought that if I said yes to you, life would have been easier. Father, I thought that if I said yes to you, I would never be sick. Father, I thought that if I said yes to you, you'd have made the funds available to do everything I need to do. Going off to Kenya was also an opportunity to see that even when God says yes, he does not open up his purse and spill everything to you. He still allows you to pray. I remember us coming back from Kenya 
and persons were complaining, feeling pain in the calf, and we were wondering, was it a clot? And we were going, and we, and we are thinking, we are saying, but if God sends us, why did, aren't we traveling first class? If God sent us to Kenya and to Tanzania, why are we not traveling first class? We have surrendered to the will of God to go to the nations. Why are we kunk up in the middle? Why are we in the middle, middle aisle? Why are we in the middle seat and not in first class reclining with, with warm rags wiping our fingertips? The truth is the time when God calls us, the moment that God calls us, there are going to be times when God calls you and, you and you say yes. But even then, you will face times of hardship and trials and tribulation. Jesus petitioned his father for a possible change, but only if it being answered was within the scope and realm of his father's will and purpose. Have you ever wondered if the prayer, if the answer to your prayer falls within the scope of God's plan? Or do you want your plan, uh, your prayer answered at any cost? Do you ever stop to say, wonder if my prayer is I'm praying according to, to the will of God? Or it doesn't matter. Once I pray to God, once I have a need, I want the answer at any cost. Could your unanswered prayer be saying it is not God's will to give what is asked because he has something new, something better, something different, something even more challenging? It was God's will to press Jesus as olives were pressed by piercing him for your transgression and my transgression, for wounding him for your healing and for my healing. But although he was pressed, he overcame by sus the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever stop to think that God will press you and he will pierce you and he will allow you to be wounded for somebody else's healing. It is God's will for us to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Therefore, you and I can overcome the affliction, the trials and troubles we face with the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit. Notice I did not say that God will take you out of the situation. There are times when God removes you from the situation, but there are times that he sustains you in the trial and in the tribulation. Because the Holy Spirit comes to help us to surrender our wills to the Father, even in times of trouble and trials. Having a surrendered will means choosing God's will over our will. Choosing his plan and way over our plan and our way. Choosing to let him be in control instead of us. It is important to surrender our will to God because the more we surrender our wills to him, the more we are able to be guided by the Holy Spirit. 
the more you and I surrender our wills, our plans, our dreams, our desires, our thoughts, our conversations, our emotions to God, the more we are able to be guided by the Holy Spirit. As I said earlier, there are many stages to surrendering. There are many stages of surrendering. The first stage of surrendering our will is at the place where we receive the free gift of salvation. And to those on Mixalar this morning, we are offering you the free gift of salvation that God, that, that God comes and gives. And that's the first stage of surrendering. You cannot be a child of God until you first accept the free gift of salvation by surrendering your heart to Jesus. John 1, 12 tells us that all who believe and receive Jesus, God gave the right to become children of God. Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And if we believe with our heart that God raised him from the dead, Paul in Romans tells us you will be saved. Becoming a child of God is important for you to surrender your will to God. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior as yet? If not, would you like to do so today? You can call us at New Life Horizon Church. Our telephone number is 469-333-0397. Or you may email us at newhorizonmin at gmail.com. We'll be available to, to lead you, to talk to you, to share with you, and to pray with you. The next of stage of surrendering our wills is the daily yielding of our fear of death, fear for poverty, gossiping, hypocrisy, need to be in control, or anger, or jealousy, or people-pleasing ways, or impatience, or unfaithfulness, or unforgiveness, or lack of compassion, or lack of love to God for our spiritual maturity. So each day, because I am aware of my impatience, I yield myself to God each day. For you and I to grow spiritually, it is important that we surrender. For you and I to grow daily in spiritual maturity, it is important that we surrender our wills to God. So we come closely. We surrender so that we may know him more closely and serve him more effectively. We sometimes find it difficult to surrender our wills to God because we fear that we would have to surrender areas of our life that we want to control. We fear surrendering that God may guide us along a pathway that we do not want to go or that he will give us things that we do not desire. But when we surrender our wills to God, we surrender our passion, we surrender our thoughts, our desire and conversation in exchange for his life for our life. We exchange our lives for his life. 
And so this morning, I want to ask you the question again. If God comes this morning and does an audit of your life, what will the audit reveal? Will it reveal a life totally surrendered? Will it reveal a life distracted? Will it reveal a life surrendered to work, but not God? To things, to someone? A life surrendered to God is never and will never be measured by how long you have been saved. The truth is some of us have been saved for over 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, 3 years. But if the truth be told and the audit be revealed, our, our length of surrender or our surrendered life looks as if we have just been saved. So I want you to keep that question in the forefront of your mind. If God should audit me today, what would he find? If God should audit me today, what will it reveal? If God should audit me today, will my life be totally surrendered? Or will I be at the place of just that first stage where I yield just enough to receive the gift of salvation? It's a question I want you to think about. Because when we surrender our lives to Christ, we're saying, Father, I take your life in exchange for mine. My life may be filled with anguish, moments of pain and suffering. And that's part of the Christian walk. The truth is, Jesus says, in this world, you'll have many troubles. He didn't say one trouble per year, one every five years. He said many troubles. But he said, take heart. I have overcome the world. In essence, he's saying, I have already done the work. In essence, he's saying, I have given you the Holy Spirit to sustain you as you go through. I will not always come and zoom you out. There are moments he will walk with us through. And so, Father, please give us the patience and the love and the faith and the belief in you to, to surrender our lives to you. Give us the grace to wait and be still so that we can enjoy your presence every moment of the day, even when life is not offering what we thought it should. Father, we ask you now that, Lord, that you will transform us to look more like Jesus. Transform us, Lord, to live like Jesus. Transform us, Lord, to lead more like Jesus. Transform us, Lord, to be led and to be sustained by the Holy Spirit. Father, it is our desire to surrender our wills to you because we have declared that you are worthy. And if we say you are worthy, God, what can you ask of us that we are not 
willing to give. Father, like Jesus, we say, Lord, if what we ask is not according to your will, Father, let it not be done. Father, if what we ask this morning is not part and parcel of the plan of our God, Lord, let that cup not pass from us. But Lord, if it is your will, if it is your will that some of the situation that we are undergoing, that we are facing, Father, if there is another way out, God, let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.